It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your boy Roy White and my man Tom Ryle, my fantastic co-host at Tom Ryle BTB. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow me at RW3. And Tom, this is not where we thought we would find ourselves just a few days removed from a divisional round matchup, or excuse me, a wild card, super wild card weekend matchup for the Cowboys, in which, you know, most of us, you and I included, were fairly confident that the Cowboys would find a way to win that game, and we'd ultimately be looking at an opponent this weekend who, who would give us much more pause. Unfortunately, things did not turn out that way as the Cowboys fell to the San Francisco 49ers 23-17. to A lot of things went wrong in this game, Tom. A lot of things mm-hmm. to complain about, potentially, both from a fan perspective and from a player's perspective. Dak Prescott actually having to initiate and uh, instigate an apology on social media on Wednesday for what he said regarding the referees having items thrown at them by the fans in Cowboy Stadium. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I understand the apology, and for his image, it's the right move. But I don't totally hate him saying what he said we clamor for these players to be honest in post-game interviews and give an honest reaction in the moment. In some cases, the emotion of the moment gets the best of them. And I can understand, you know, the joke that he was making there. Because I do think ultimately Dak probably considered it a joke in his mind and not a serious statement as it was taken by some. Yeah, I'm actually more concerned about the fact that that's kind of a message that's been coming out of the team for a while that it's the ref's fault and we're angry at the referees. And that, that has bugged me because that's something that you can't really control as a team. You should be focusing on what you controlled. And there's a bit of a misunderstanding about what's going on with the penalties, uh, what went on with the penalties with the Cowboys anyway, because everyone knows the Cowboys were the most penalized team in the NFL. But I went and was looking at that just to see how much it was. It wasn't that great a margin over the next team. I don't remember who that was, but I happened to look at the next column, which is which teams benefited the most from having penalties thrown against their opponents. You want to take a guess who that was? No way. It was your Dallas Cowboys. They had more penalties, 130 against their opponents than any other team in the league. So that's less than a one penalty a game advantage to the opponents. We've really overblown that thing. The Cowboys weren't getting up beat up by the, by the, the referees. What, my supposition is when you look at that and you put that together, these referees know what kind of a stage they're on with the Cowboys. and They tend to want to get out there and be a little more involved. And I think they get a little more intense. So it's really a little bit of a myth that the Cowboys were getting really hammered on by the referees. Because what happened was if the Cowboys were on the field, the referees were hammering everybody. And that's people don't want to hear that. Man, that's a great theory and one that makes 100% sense in my mind that, look, these referees know what kind of stage they're on when the Cowboys 
are on television. And sure enough, as we look at the ratings from this past weekend, the combined ratings of the CBS and Nickelodeon broadcast for this game were the highest of the weekend and some of the highest that we have ever seen during a wild card weekend. So the eyes were upon that game. And certainly, I think it's reasonable that referees are aware of that fact and perhaps their adrenaline is is driving some of the calls that they're making there. And, and I agree with you. I think that messaging that has been heard several times this season, Leighton Vander Esch, Randy Gregory, Tank Lawrence, have all said something to the effect of the refs are holding us back at various points in times this season. And that is something that they're going to have to address. Mike McCarthy spoke about it in his season-ending press conference yesterday, and he said it was their number one focal point of the offseason was addressing these penalties. So that, I think Cowboys fans, you should put that in your pocketbook and remember that he said that when we get to this same time next season to make sure that he's you know been true to his word in that regard. Because that's what I think that we can make a definitive statement about your coaching prowess when you make a statement like that and then fail to deliver, if indeed he fails to deliver next season. Now, some Cowboys fans, Tom, think – that Mike McCarthy might not have even been getting next season. There was a report, and it was by our own Bobby Bell, who does the Monday podcast here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. Very plugged in, and I love Bobby. Good friend of mine. I trust his judgment. And when he put out the report that some people in the building did believe that there was a chance that Mike McCarthy got fired, would get fired, that news started to spread a little bit and people started reacting. Well, thanks to the press conference we got yesterday, we know he's staying because Mike McCarthy isn't giving a season ending press conference, a state of the union address effectively, if he's not going to be the coach next season. So we got our confirmation there, but at any time in that 48 hour window where Jerry went on his radio station and refused to state that Mike McCarthy would be back, was there any point in time between Bobby's report and the Wednesday press conference where you thought, yeah, it's a possibility that Mike McCarthy is gone? Um, very remote. You know, it's one of those things that I, I, you never say never because it really comes down to the ownership. And I could see maybe Jerry Jones just suddenly feeling fed up and deciding I was firing but if he did that, I suspect Stephen Jones, who came out very shortly after Jerry's statement and said that McCarthy was returning, mm -hmm. Stephen would have been talking him down for it. So, yeah, I didn't really see that coming, um, you know, and based on my humble opinion, you know, he's not the coach that the team might benefit from moving on from anyway. Elaborate on that. What do you mean? Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, I'm not. I'm worried. I'm. I'm not saying this is a definite thing. I'm worried we may have seen Kellen Moore kind of hit a, a ceiling, um, and that ceiling is in when people kind of figure out what he's doing. He doesn't have a counter to. Them. He just keeps doing what he's going to do over and over again, even though it doesn't work. Which as a Cowboys fan sounds disturbingly familiar to something we've seen in years past. 
Uh, it's a little bit different, but there were, you know, there were there were examples. People were saying that if you watched the game, there were certain motions, uh, pre-snap motion that indicated the Cowboys were going to hand the ball off, and it was just very predictable. And if the if people watching this at home or looking at the All Twenty Two on their computer are finding this, you know that NFL defensive coordinators are, and they're reading this. And when you combine that with, as you were mentioning during the pre-show, with how they were playing this kind of shell, the, the cover two, or you know having the safeties back and, and forcing them to have to try to beat them short, we well, have to find a way to beat that short. And the Cowboys just weren't doing it. Uh, they just couldn't seem to find players get open. Dak took some sacks that seemed to have a bit to do with him waiting for someone to get open going deeper. Uh, and with the pressure that was coming against San Francisco in particular, and to a certain extent against the Arizona Cardinals in uh, game 16, it, it wasn't working. And yet, so why are you, especially when it kind of fails, you know, a couple of weeks before the end of the season, why are you going to do that in the postseason? I don't know. I, I'm a little worried right now whether Kellen Moore was getting by mostly on being a lesser known quantity. And now he's a known quantity and people have him sorted out as Vic Fangio famously claimed that he, he'd come up with the, the solution. And uh, I'm not too sure, you know, uh, that if, if Kellen Moore moved on or was not retained, that the Cowboys might have a better chance of getting some of their offense right. Uh, Man, but I need to step in here, okay? Because I have... Ahead. I've heard the slander, and, and some of it I agree with. In fact, we've had our conversations on this very podcast, and over the last several weeks, we were starting to ask the question, is Kellen Moore doing what is necessary to make this offense successful? And I think the overwhelming answer that we got, especially in this game against the 49ers, is that he was not. Okay, so I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say with me agreeing with all those things you just said. However, okay, we are talking about a 33-year-old offensive coordinator. We are talking about a coach who just finished his third season as a coach in the National Football League and just his second at the helm of an offensive unit. We're talking about a man who is 33 years old three years younger than I am for those that are listening. And I've been in this radio game, this opinionation game about the Cowboys for over a decade myself. And to have a guy who in his rookie season as a, as an offensive coordinator presided over the NFL's top ranked offensive attack, second rated passing offense and fifth rated running game to this season where despite what we've said and how we felt about the Cowboys offensively still put up numbers that led the NFL in several categories. I am borderline offended at the thought that he cannot improve upon what he's done. Now, everything you've said taken in truth and with respect to you, because I agree, Kellen did not find a way to adjust throughout the season in opportunities where 
Teams were showing him different looks, and he kept barging ahead with the same type of Jason Garrett-esque mentality, which is we do what we do well enough to overcome you trying to match up against us in those scenarios, right? He perhaps should have attempted some other items. Troy Aikman spoke about on his morning show uh, with the ticket on Wednesday morning, spoke about how he thought, hey, they should have just broken CD off on a couple of routes. The way that they were playing him and looking at the film, giving him space, they could have run a couple curls. They could have easily had some, you know, some ins or some, you know, some short ins or some short outs that would have allowed him to pick up yardage. And they shied against that stuff, right? I think Kellen is going to get in the lab and he is going to see what type of mistakes he made this season. That, you know, that double high safety thing as well, I do want to point to this season alone, more teams are utilizing two safeties, two high safeties than we have seen over the past five years. And they are doing it with quite a bit of effectiveness because you can also read about how Patrick Mahomes has seen a lot more two high safeties and struggled against them this season. So it's not just Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore that are facing this issue. It's throughout the NFL. But I firmly believe, and I have confidence, I know people don't want to hear it because they're very angry for good reason at the type of performance Kellen Moore put together over the back end of the season. But I do have faith and I do believe, not just to play optimistic guy here, I do have faith and I do believe that Kellen Moore can fix the issues that ail him. And with Dak Prescott potentially addressing some of those issues in his own deficiencies, I think we can see this offensive unit hum again. Now, does that mean they're going to be in the same position they were a year prior? Well, that's where I think we get to the conversation that you and I had and that your article alludes to, which is the regression to the mean conversation yeah and and let me let me just give a quick explanation for everybody going like regression to the what or thinks this is some complicated fancy uh analytics wonky thing it's a very simple idea and anyone who like plays golf or goes bowling or even goes fishing can kind of get this concept if you go out and break 80 uh, on, a, on a weekend or you go out uh, on a bowling night and, and you bowl a 300 game or you go out fishing and every time your lure hits the water, you get a trophy sized bass grabbing hold of it. It's just a great day. The next time you go back, you're almost certainly going to do worse. You know, you're going to, you're going to shoot a, a 102 on the golf course, roll a 150 at the bowling alley, uh, you know, spend all day drinking beer and not hauling anything in. That's I'd just feel damn good about goes. a 150. Is a 150 a not so great score for you? <laughs> Is that with bumpers? Cause I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, bumpers to get that I'm assuming somebody could roll a 300 to begin with. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, if they can okay. roll a 300, that's a little different standard, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just that when you have a really good result, uh, it tends to next time you look at the same thing, it's not so good. And in the NFL, we're talking season to season. Uh, and there's a great example in the NFL of what I'm talking about with the, uh, the Washington soon-to-have-a-name football team and their defense in 2020. 
that was what carried the team to barely squeaking into the playoffs. Their defense was great. Um, I think it was like, I can't remember. It was like second and over yards given up and fourth and points scored that they allowed. Uh, and everybody thought this is what's going to work. Well, this year they fell way off, particularly in points scored. I think they were down about 26 or 24th in points scored. Uh, I said, I'm going off of memory and can't remember exactly the numbers that I had from my article, but um, that's why people that happens, read the article. Yeah. A lot of that's a, a lot of that happens with defenses. Anyway, defense is the most variable part of your team. The offense relies kind of the performance depends more on what you do yourself. The defense depends a lot on the opponent you're facing and Washington and having a great season in 2020 well, they were playing against the rest of the NFC East. This is a familiar story you've heard. And they beat up on some bad football teams. And that padded their numbers. So that's okay. what has regression to the mean means. It means that just be because something happened this year that was good for the Cowboys, really good, there is it, – it's extremely likely they're going to be a lot closer to mediocre the next season in 2022 it's just not going to work that well support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team now more than ever educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference that's why parents have trusted sylvan learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year, at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I agree with that on some fronts for the Dallas Cowboys. For example, I think from a negative standpoint, the Cowboys can likely expect not to garner as many turnovers as they did this season. Almost certainly not. That was an, that is a, one of the things that varies all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think you had an example, and you looked up a statistic regarding Trayvon Diggs, who had a fa- fantastic season, 11 interceptions amongst the league leaders, if not the league lead, right? That was the league leader. That um, was the league leader. And to be fair – despite what pro football focus might say about his grades, that was good enough to basically put him in the pro bowl as a corner. Yeah. Because, because interceptions are one of the highest impact plays you have uh, on defense because you, you, you stop the, uh, the opponent's drive uh, often give your own team great field position and sometimes turn it into immediate points as he did a couple of times. But that's not going to happen. Trevon Diggs is not going to have 11 interceptions because if you look at the history of the NFL, uh, what was it I told you, 18? 
18 times in the NFL has a player had 11 or more interceptions in a season. 18 going back to the start of the league Man. Uh, when they at least started keeping the stats. I know that goes back at least to the 40s. Yeah. It's not going to happen again, which is probably also going to happen to turnovers as a whole because the Cowboys led the league in turnovers this past season. That's probably not going to happen. And that was what was carrying their defense. So right there, you've got that. You mentioned the offense, how the Cowboys were leading in a couple of what are volume stats, which always have some problems with looking to them. Sure. But those are not likely to be there. Very few teams go from year to year uh, staying at the very top. The Cowboys are likely to slip back. Even if Kellen Moore gets things figured out, they're likely to come back down in that aspect. Now, let me actually just, make, a, make a statement on that really quick, right? I understand the regression of the mean argument, but at the same time, in two years with Kellen Moore, they've been amongst the league leaders, and all the pieces, for the most part, are in place. Now, you know, the big one you mean, that they're losing this offseason, Dalton Schultz, I think, is probably the biggest piece that they're potentially losing this offseason. Hmm. You're saying three to what? Three years he's been the offensive coordinator. One oh. year as the quarterback coach. Yeah, that was okay. it. Um, yeah, he was – He was last year, maybe you're just dropping that out because that was without back. That was basically playing most of the season with, with a, a backup quarterback. Yeah. I they never found okay. a real solution. My apologies, yes. Then that, I've almost wiped that season from my memory because it was yeah. so forgettable. And I understand why that happens and what you're saying. You're saying when he and Dak were together. Yes, yes. They did some good things. But Bingo. Then there's there's a real concern with Dak because something wasn't right for him after he had the calf injury at New England. And I don't think it was that his leg was bothering him. Mentally, he just seemed to not be as confident as crisp something just wasn't working i don't know what what's going on or, or exactly why that happened it's very puzzling to me but i i just think that we're due a, a bit of a fallback mm -hmm. um you know some other ways that regression to the mean might hurt the cowboys uh is the NFC East is due for some of the bad, bad teams to stop being so bad. You know, uh, both the Eagles and the Giants have uh, multiple first-round picks, so they may get some badly needed talent. Now, uh, a lot of that depends, I think, on whether the Giants are going to keep rolling with Daniel Jones or not because I'm, you know, not convinced he is really the quarterback they need. Mm -hmm. uh, but – you know, we'll, we'll find out, but it's, you know, it's, it's also worrisome just in the overall record. Cowboys got 12 wins, which would have been 11 or 12 in the old 16 game season. I hate that they changed that because all of a sudden all the comparisons, you kind of have to. No, put you're a caveat right. On. It's true. But, but um, I mean, the Cowboys, I think should be looking at a good season being maybe 10 wins which i think is doable given the the, the teams they're slated to play because they are playing the NFC east and i'm you know i i think there's a good chance that at least a couple of the nfc east are going nfc east teams are going to be 
be pretty weak again. But here's and, the thing about that. It's hard to assume you're going to be 6-0 and against the division, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they come back with everything that they have, considering what the Cowboys are potentially losing this offseason, right? It's hard to believe that you don't fumble a game here or there, right? That you never yeah. have a, a, a couple bounces go poorly for you over the course of a six-game stretch against divisional opponents. And that's not even considering some of the rumors that are swirling out there about who the Giants might try to add in free agency, what they yeah. might try to do with their three first-round draft picks, two in the top ten that they have available. Uh, the Eagles – excuse me, the Giants have two in the top ten. The Eagles have three first-round draft picks that they could potentially use to, to improve their team. And the football team are considered to be – you know, a team that maybe is in the market for a quarterback. So all of those teams yeah. could improve themselves in the draft more so, I think, than what the Cowboys are going to be capable of in the draft. So, again, it's just a lot to assume that they're going to be great against the division or at least great enough to sweep the division and kind of make the remainder of their schedule, you know, basically just a 500 prospect to find their yeah. way into the playoffs. So, so summing that all up, if you look at all the different indicators, there's just a good chance the Cowboys are not going to have as strong a regular season record as they had in 2021. And we're not going to talk about what happens in the playoffs because we don't know how they're going to be playing at the end of the year and all that, but Mm -hmm. there's not anything we've seen lately to make us think that they're going to suddenly be a, a contender in the postseason even if they can get there in the first place. Well, if we're on the subject of regression to the mean, Mm. I think it is worth kind of trying to detail some of the things that may regress in a positive way for the Cowboys, right? Because if we're talking about great performances coming back to the mediocre, well, we can have some bad performances that the Cowboys put on that may make their way back to mediocre as well. I think of the kicking game first and mm-hmm. foremost as one that, you know, is it reasonable to expect, to expect more out of it? I'll be honest. I'm not really sure yet because I don't think we have enough evidence from this new age NFL, which is the extra point also being from the 35. I think that extra aspect has thrown a bit of a wrench into how we evaluate kickers overall because there was a there was a rhythm that could be regained by a kicker who just needed to kick a, a couple extra points, right? Needed to see the ball go through the uprights. Well, if you're kicking that from 19 yards, that is a, mm-hmm. a positive reinforcement that I think plays into the mentality of how kickers perform. But when every kick, the easiest kicks, are still from 35 yards away and you don't, make them with consistency right i think we saw with greg there was a mental aspect of that he needed to be on a certain hash mark to feel comfortable kicking you know a field goal in a particular direction right so i think from that standpoint kicking game we could see a positive regression to the mean i also think that you know and this is really a little bit more based on how they decide to utilize the offense in 2022 but I think we could see a, a more positive regression of the mean from a rushing standpoint. 
Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily a rushing yards per game because they were amongst the top 10 teams in the NFL in rushing yards per game. But I think from an efficiency standpoint, and really that all relies on whether or not they're willing to give Tony Pollard more of the reins within this or, offense. Or even just Ezekiel Elliott being really healthy because as we found out this week, he played most of the season with, uh, like it was described as a partially torn PCL, which is the posterior cruciate ligament. Obviously, it's not as serious as an ACL because he kept right on playing on it. And he's not going to have surgery but, on it, by the way. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's an injury that just heals up if you're not using a lot. Well, obviously, he was choosing it because he was out there playing, so it wasn't healing up. So uh, that was a little mystifying, and I think it goes to one of the root issues the Cowboys have had for a long time, and that's that I think that the owner was leaning on the, uh, the team to use that highly paid running back that they put a lot of money into, and they didn't want to be shown that they were wrong putting a lot of money into it. Uh, that's a, we could do a whole podcast yeah. on that thing. Well, if but you believe I, that's a reality – that reality ain't going away in 2023, folks. Because That's for cool. those that would suggest that Zeke Elliott could be discarded, that is not a possibility this upcoming season unless you want to take a $30 million cap hit for a running back that isn't playing for your football team. Yeah, and that's that's not going to happen. He is. They have options in 2023, but they don't have any options this year. They have to get him healthy and hope he can come back, do a little regression to the mean, as you said, to, to a more reliable, dependable running back. And there are, you know, there were other elements there. There were obviously some issues with the offensive line, uh, particularly late in the season with the interior of the offensive line. Uh, they got beaten up pretty badly by an admittedly very good front seven with the uh, 49ers, even with Nick Bosa out most of the game. They and Fred just, Werner out, out yeah. quite a bit of the game at the end. But they still were coming hard and were not being handled. And, you know, now we know the Cowboys have to do something. Connor Williams is a free agent. I don't think they're going to look at trying to re-sign him. And instead, I would expect them to make that their top priority in the draft is finding a replacement at left guard. Uh, that would certainly be my approach. Uh, so, you know, we'll get to talk a lot more about draft uh, as we go down the road. But, uh, you know, the offensive line wasn't doing a great job opening up the holes on a consistent basis. Uh, against some teams, they did well again. When they were playing the weaker squads, they were able to open up some holes. But still, Ezekiel Elliott just was not producing down the stretch. And Tony Pollard wasn't getting the touches he probably should have. I, 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 I think if the wisest thing would have been to have made Tony Pollard your back on first and second down, and Zeke could have still done a good job as a third down back uh, because he is just, even with the torn PCL, he is still one of the best pass protectors in the league as a running back. So, is he? Is as, he as a as a pass protector? Yeah, did you see him take out two players in one play in there in the 49ers game? 
He literally yeah. blocked one pass rusher into another pass rusher and took them both out of the play. And I yeah, he is and I am beating that drum as well, right? I, I agree with that statement. And for those that are out there, you know, Zeke for some will never be able to prove his worth because there's an mm-hmm. argument to be made out there that you should just never pay a running back that type of money, no matter what type of talent they have. Yeah. And so I do understand it, but yeah, I mean, in passing, you know, in pass pro, I still want Ezekiel Elliott in there. And I guess I just wish the coaching staff, and this is going back to Kellen Moore, had found a way to incorporate the two of them on the field together. If yeah. that means, you know, the fact that we didn't see Tony Pollard in the slot more often this season is a little bit offensive because he ran out of wide receiver sets in preseason mm-hmm. quite a bit. You were out there and you got to see some of that in person. So it wasn't like they never had that option. He did it in college as well. A great receiver in his college years. So that's one that yeah. still is a head scratcher and still very frustrating. And, um, yeah. you know, especially there seems there, there seemed to be a real, real tendency in the regular season to just go back to what you did before. And, mm-hmm. and that, that was a little disturbing. I will say that with the whole regression to the main thing, before we get done with it, there's one individual exception to that. I want to bring up that's Micah Parsons. I think it's possible. We're not going to see him regress to anything because first off, this season was his main. He's only had one season. He's just a rookie. He's still learning the game. And, you know, if I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be even better next year. Uh, then it'll just be a question of who they've got around him. Will they need him more at linebacker or will he be freer to spend more time rushing the passer? I think we've just got nothing but upside to see from him. Um, you know, knock on wood, you know, because fake has a way of coming along and telling you, yeah, you're wrong. But I think he just is going to be better through his second and maybe even his third year will continue to improve because he's young and developing and just, I think he's going to go down as a, a great find. I just hope he doesn't have the drop off. We saw with CD lamb, which just was kind of upsetting that he had uh, really had a down year. Uh, and, after starting off very well. And I think I may save that for a future podcast is the, the surprises and the disappointments of 2021 mm-hmm. because CD and Amari, quite honestly, turned into disappointments for me, even though CD wound up with an 1,100-yard season. That's no slouch of a season, but when you look at the overall numbers and you consider the amount of times that we saw in games that big drops or – kind of miscues or really just not being able to be found. I mean, he disappeared in this game against San Francisco. Yeah, just he not had a one catch. That's, that's inexcusable for a hey. guy who's potentially slated to be your number one receiver at some point in the future, right? He wears the 88 for a reason. Yeah. You, you want to, you want to put on your tinfoil hat and let me try out a conspiracy theory to you about uh, Amari. I love that. Uh I wonder if the team, if there wasn't a decision to kind of not feed him, not feature him as much because they're thinking about maybe moving on from him for some reason. 
It's like they set up a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if we don't give him the ball a lot, he doesn't look that good, and then we don't really need him. And like I said, that's tinfoil hat stuff. It's just one of these things that kind of occurred to me. We try to figure out uh, why, when you've got a couple of really good receivers, are they not getting fed the ball? Because they weren't feeding CD or Amari very much. Uh, they just didn't have very many big yeah. games. And it's, I thought they were capable of it. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, that's just one of those things that in my twisted little mind that came up and like, hmm, are they playing weird games? It's something that has to be considered. The two of them did not combine for 2,000 yards this season. CD yeah. had 11.05. Amari had 8.26. Of course, missing a game there, but even still, that doesn't put him on pace for a 1,000-yard season, and that is a massive disappointment for what we considered to be one of the top duos in the NFL coming into yeah. the season. I mean, I would have put them within the top you know, three or four, and – they weren't even better than the unit they went against on Sunday. Brandon Ayuk yeah. and Debo Samuel combined for almost 300 more yards receiving between the two of them than Amari and CD did. So that's something yeah. that the Cowboys need to look at and address. We'll have plenty of time this offseason to get into how they can potentially improve on that. Are there any other regressions to the mean that we haven't considered either from a coaching staff, I will say, right, penalties, regression to a positive, especially with Mike McCarthy putting a focus on it. There should be, and it's reasonable to assume, that the Cowboys will be less penalized next season, although, as you mentioned, they may also benefit less from penalties next season. Actually, when I look back at penalties historically, the Cowboys have been kind of a middle-of-the-road team, you know, in that they tended to be like somewhere between 12th and 18th in the league, which is pretty much average. And so, yeah, you would expect to see them more a middle-of-the-pack team. They tend What they tend to be historically is a slightly more penalized team than average. And that's that shouldn't be a big problem. Um uh, I do think they've got a they had a discipline problem this year, and I'm talking about the discipline of the players. Uh, you know, Randy Gregory's two offsides calls uh, in the wild card game were to me just on him. The first one, okay, he was trying to get a jump, he was trying to to make a play, but to go back to that well again just a couple of plays later, that's just boneheadedness. Well, I think the uh, worst – I think the more egregious ones, though, from Randy were the holding penalties. Because yeah. when you go back and look at the film, he is literally tackling offensive linemen, trying to sling them to the ground instead of running towards the ball carrier. And yeah. it got him penalized, and it cost the Cowboys big time on that front. So, yeah, it, who, wasn't, you know, it wasn't – Did it cost him a lot of money in free agency? We'll find out here very yeah, soon. Yeah, because he is one of the decisions they've got to make. And it could be a, you know, could be him staying with the Cowboys might come down to cost. Uh, yeah. and, and he wasn't alone from what I understand. The, the, the perception was is that the Cowboys defensive line was daring the officials to call it. And they finally started calling it. Hmm. Well, yeah, we won't blame the officials for that one because that is Cowboys MO is what we got 
on Sunday, and it's yeah. what we've seen over the last 25 years. So going forward, Tom, I make you this promise before we end the pod. I will not blow smoke for the Cowboys going forward until they prove they can win in the playoffs. You will not hear a playoff victory prediction from me, right? Because this type of performance is exactly what we've come to expect. And despite the dressings, new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, different pieces in different places, it all tended to look the same for Cowboys fans who are familiar with how this team performs in the postseason. So, ugh. What an awful way to end the pod. I'm so sorry, Tom, that we had to do this, but it's cathartic, hopefully, for the Cowboys fans out there listening. You need to hear the truth, and we need to absorb the truth and take it in and understand what this team needs to do better going forward. So hopefully regression in some of a positive fashion is coming, and hopefully the Cowboys front office will do what they need to do to keep this thing improving and get us back to this spot next season with hopefully better results at that time. Any last words, Tom, to put a bow on what I feel like is, you know, putting a bow on the Cowboys 2021 season. Um, this, the next pod that we do in all likelihood will be a look forward at how they can improve what they can do to address the deficiencies, all those things. Right. And I'm sure we'll have some news in there as well. Dan Quinn will have landed in Denver or Minnesota or, you know, whichever coaching job he chooses, because apparently the entire NFL is waiting with bated breath on where Dan Quinn <laughs> will decide. It's Thursday, Tom, and we don't have a head coach hiring in the NFL. And firings took place, you know, more than 72 hours ago. So in my opinion, it feels like the rest of the NFL is just waiting on Dan Quinn to make his decision. And then the rest of the coaching dominoes can start to fall. Yeah, it does seem like he's likely, if not the lead domino, he's one of the dominoes people are watching for. So I, I just want to tell, say this to the, to the people. That, first off, thank you to everyone who's listened. I, it, it always is still a little amazing to me that there are people who actually seem to enjoy this and will even occasionally float a compliment on Twitter uh, or, or an email to me. Uh, that's, uh, that's just weird to me. But it, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Roy and I are going to do our best to try to keep you informed and interested and to bring you the news good and bad uh, to give you analysis of what they're doing wrong and hopefully what they're doing right. And we hope you stay with us through uh, what you know, feels like it's going to be a long off season. And we'll try to remind you, don't let those hopes get built up too high until they actually start proving something yeah. well i've got to live those words myself because i admit i got sucked as bill parcells would say consider yourself sucked well my motto for the 21 20 uh, 2021 season for the cowboys consider yourself sucked because i got sucked in tom and i refuse to be sucked again i will never let the cowboys suck me like that not hey, again. this is a this is a family-friendly podcast, man. <laughs> and by the way, uh, as Tom said, thank you to all those folks who are listening all the way out there. Uh, we've gotten tweets from uh, – shout-out to Frederick in Denmark 
of all places who are listening to the pod. So if you're out there in the ether, uh, especially if you're, you know, off the continental U.S., please give us a shout out. We'd love to shout you out on the pod and, and we'd like to engage a little bit more with you. So hit us up on Twitter at RW3. Me, you can follow Tom at Tom Ryle BTB. And hey, maybe you might hear a shout out on the pod as we move forward into the 2022 offseason, Tom. It officially begins for the Cowboys. And uh, by this time next week, maybe you and I are investigating who the Cowboys can hire as their new defensive coordinator. So we'll get into all that. We will stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we hope you out there will stay riled up on the Cowboys every Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. We'll see you next week.